0: Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader.
1: Whatever you give to your staff is what you will see them giving to their customer base, their client base. Given that we are meant to be very person-centered, I could never run an organisation that wasn't staff centred.
0: Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host Amy Stevenson and today I'm joined by Jane Knowles. Jane's the CEO of Somerset Activity and Sports Partnership, the county sports partnership for Somerset. One of 49 across England established by Sport England to be the strategic lead for sport in the country. Jane's a skilled fundraiser and strong business development professional and has been active in the sports industry since 1994 with a history of working in the charity sector, Jane joins us today to share her insight as a leader on the human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Jane. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. And and so can you tell us a little bit about your organisation, please? So SASP, which stands for Somerset Activity and Sports Partnership, is a Somerset organisation countywide which looks at using physical activity to improve health and happiness across the county for right from bumps and early years right up to uh, those of more mature years. Mm-hmm. Fantastic and and you've been with the organisation now just over 20 years is it? Oh my god I've been here so long <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in lots of different guises yeah. so um, I used to work for Sport England and mm-hmm. um, When my children started school, I needed a slightly more flexible job, and um, and so um, I went part time um, within and started just uh, going back to my roots of sports development. I suppose just so I could, uh, I don't know, balance my time a bit more. You know that age old um life work balance mm-hmm. um, but as with all things with me i i just got more and more into it and um and then started to mm-hmm. i suppose be promoted through the organization um, mm-hmm. until i found myself at the heady heights of um well chief exec which always feels like a very strange title for me but, a, yeah
0: and so five years into that role then what kind of challenges are you up against as a leader of that type of
1: organization at that stage in its life cycle COVID has just been um, a terrible for many people, but has been a growth um, opportunity for many, many charities where the community has come to the fore. And I think that statutory authority has realized that actually investing through VCSE organisations has really made is, is much closer to the community and allows that voice to come through. And so we have grown hugely. And obviously, physical activities and fitness is such a huge has has a real ability to help people prevent disease and some of the risks associated with those long term conditions, including COVID. Yeah. Um, and so we have seen quite a lot of um, investment. So we're seeing huge growth and still seeing huge growth as people really understand um, how much just moving more um, can make such a, can make a difference to people's yeah. lives and their ability to come back from surgery, their ability to uh, just play with their grandchildren or yeah. actually um the ability to heal from some trauma with regulated activity and things so so a really wide range of things from social outcomes to physical and mental health outcomes
0: fantastic
1: and' I suppose from a prevention point of view as well if people are
0: moving more there's less illness and
1: yeah and and, and a lot more than that amy we we have a such a um a, a thing around that social and yeah. element about um, so you can you can move more by yourself at mm-hmm. home if you want, but actually sometimes just people being side by side rather than face to face is a much less tense way for people to meet others, don't necessarily need to talk because people will be talking around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something to talk about for some people whose lives are not quite so busy as I suspect yours might be. Then, you know, <laughs> you're probably desperate to get away from everybody. But there are some people who actually really keen to um, make new friends, but actually saying that makes them feel needy and vulnerable. But actually coming along and doing that side by side within an activity, it, mm. is, it provides real structure and ability for them to feel part of something and provide a belonging environment which could be really important for children as well as adults. Yeah
0: absolutely and I suppose as I've been reading about the social anxiety of people sort of getting back out there after Covid and I suppose like you say that's an easy in isn't it it's sort of a, a low pressure way to to start socialising again.
1: Yeah absolutely and given that you can do it outside yeah, um, yeah. it can be really helpful for those people who've been clinically vulnerable and um are still pretty nervous I mean we did some focus group work and there's still, um, there was somebody who still wasn't allowing their children in their house. They would only meet them still, you know, that was three weeks ago outside. Um, so people are still really, some people are still really nervous, but actually being inside all the time and not moving very much is incredibly bad for your physical, as but also for your mental health. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and, um, and so you talked about previously
0: you talked about the heady heights that you you weren't maybe weren't expecting to um, or it certainly wasn't a conscious journey i don't think it sounds no. like correct me no. if i'm wrong but can you tell no. us about your journey into leadership so how did that happen was it a really organic process or was the point that you said actually now i can lead this organization and i want to take it in this direction
1: um it's, it's a really interesting question so i I think, you know, as a certain age of woman, maybe um, I really never thought of myself moving through into leadership. Um, And and there will have been lots of times that I really didn't think it was for me particularly. Um, And like you say, it was a quite organic process. And when the role came up for chief exec, I suppose I was second in command at that point. Um, And when that role came up, there was a point where I go, I don't really want to do that, but but the reason that I did was because, oh my God, what if somebody came in and took this organisation in a direction that I didn't like, that we lost something, the culture that um, that was so valuable to me, mm-hmm. that had allowed me to grow. Actually, it was really I, I felt quite a responsibility to ensure that we could do that for others that came on through. Yeah. Um, and so, in the end, um, I applied for the job, which um, and was no uh, absolutely not assuaging for the job. So um, we had quite a lot of outside organisations um, interviewing who didn't know me at all. Um, and sometimes being an internal candidate is a disadvantage quite it's quite hard to white lie about things when you've got somebody <laughs> on the panel who knows exactly what you've done so um you know so I suppose there there was my my journey through and and actually I really I am one of those people who've always stepped forward mm-hmm. to do things it's never been about a pay grade for me it's always been about a desire to make a difference yeah you know and um and I hear that a lot from the young people that we pull in and um for uh roles in our organization there's a real desire for young people to make an impact yes and to have an impactful job um that makes them feel good about themselves as well i think you know it's not i suppose that's not wholly altruistic but i think it's a human need yeah absolutely um, so um and does make people work hard so Um, I always say that the conversation that I have with new employees who I always try and spend time with to really um, make sure that they know that they do have a voice in our organisation, I always ask them as I go past them during the, how happy are you? Happy employees are hardworking employees. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you can feel that leadership style that I have, which I always, I think is very female and I think that more and more now as you go through LinkedIn and whatever, you see that real sense of leadership having changed from being quite an autocratic kind mm-hmm. of male. And I don't want to say it because I've I've had wonderful male bosses in my time. Also some pretty poor ones, but, <laughs> but some good ones too. Um, but that quite autocratic style moving to, um, I think, quite a much more much more empathy and and much more i don't know dealing with people um as they come to you and who they are so getting the best out of each individual and that might mean that your style will change slightly with yeah. different employees yeah i think there's much more of a focus
0: on almost servant leadership and guardianship yeah. and you're the one that's supporting those individuals to be the best they can be and i think just relating it back to your journey, it sounds as though you found an organisation that you're very passionate about, that you that has a purpose that is aligned with your values. And so naturally, you you're, you step into a leadership role and, and that's infectious for the rest of the, the organisation. It feels as though that's the
1: way it happened. Well, I hope it's infectious. I mean, you know, we do staff surveys every year and we're a pretty happy organisation on the whole. And, and on leadership then, do you feel, we
0: spoke a little bit previously, but... In, in terms of characteristics or skills that leaders need to have, do you think that there are characteristics that all great leaders should have? Or is it case
1: by case, organisation by organisation? I think there's a um, I think the culture of your organisation will always dictate the leadership style that is preferred. Okay. Um, and sometimes that can be very toxic um, for some people. And some people, it is quite important to find an organisation that works for you um, as an individual. In terms of characteristics, um, I you know, I, I have my own style. I don't really want to denigrate other people's styles, um, perhaps because their businesses are different to mine. But um, I think whatever you give to your staff is what you will see them giving to their customer base, their client base, their whatever it is that you're working with. And given that we are meant to be very person-centered, Mm-hmm. I could never run an organisation that wasn't staff-centred okay. because what would that say? So, you know, what is given to the staff, they give back out to the community. And that is really important to me, that we live the values. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you think,
0: see if I can word this correctly, Do you think, <laughs> given that you were with the organisation for um, almost 20 years before you joined uh, the, the C-suite, do you think your leadership style would have been different had you then at that point maybe not been successful in that chief exec role but found a different organisation and gone for a chief exec role because you felt ready
1: do you think your style would have been the same or is it shaped by the organisation i think my style would always have been the same and and funnily enough because because i have the style i have it's why i always thought that i probably wasn't going to be a leader because well, i didn't i didn't have that very uh, what I always thought in my younger years was the leadership style, which was that very autocratic, thou shall do what I say. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I think I'm a leader because I've chosen this style, if you like, and it is yeah. the preferred style. I think right now, uh-huh. it, it feels like, you know, everything I read feels like the preferred style. I'm sure things will change over time. Yeah. Um, I don't think working for such a long time in an organisation changed me i'm going to say that in my time leading the organization i've changed the organization okay yeah it does seem very authentic your style seems
0: very authentic okay. <laughs> i don't
1: know that's a good thing really
0: <laughs> authenticity is always a good thing i think <laughs> uh, well yeah you get what you see.
1: yeah
0: and and so thinking about your leadership style, then is there a piece of advice or an experience that really shaped you and sort of made you think, yes, this is
1: the way I want to lead, or this is the way I should lead? Well, really interestingly, um, I think I said earlier that I've had some some good l- bosses and some really pretty terrible bosses, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I think that both of those things, and and um, if I'm really honest, I think I learned most from the terrible. You do, often do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I often think, I mean, just the most awful experience uh, that I had in one role, and I just went, okay, so I know what it feels like to to be on the bottom of somebody's shoe, mm-hmm. and I would never let that happen to any of, any of the staff at SASP. I mean, just, you know, we are a team and, and a growing team. You know, there's mm-hmm. over 50 of us now and, and soon to be more Um, Mm and so we're a growing team but we are a team and when we have staff socials we have a good third half of the team that will come out you know we enjoy being together Mm -hmm. not every week but yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's good to get together
0: yeah and and so advice that you would offer to someone that was looking to follow in your footsteps so either someone that was maybe uh, had their sights set on the chief exec or someone that was just about to take a step up into a leadership role. Is there any advice that you'd share with them? Are there any sort of, if I knew then, what I know now
1: moments? So what I hear mostly from um, staff is, um, oh, I didn't want to say that because I didn't know it was the right thing. Okay. So my advice is to be brave, say what you think, make sure that you listen carefully, to what people are saying and certainly make sure that, you know, with your customers, clients, whatever everybody likes to call them, participants, you know, make sure you listen and actively listen to them. And even though, you know, I'm I'm a CEO, I still pop into focus groups. Sometimes I run them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've certainly um, go into some community things. Because one of the things that I really hated was that ivory tower mentality about, oh, actually, I'm only going to listen to my staff who've done that work. I sometimes want to make sure that I've listened to the people whose lives I am trying to affect and change and Mm -hmm. move them through behaviour change. I need to listen about what's important to them so that actually I can start to deal with that and roll that service properly so it is person-centred so that would be my advice is um, certainly for charitable organisations if you want to step into leadership don't lose your roots Mm -hmm. um, and um, be brave about what you think Uh, it doesn't matter if you if you're worried that people will think it's irrelevant make sure you say it because don't leave a meeting without without saying the thing that you think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Kind truth, I think, is the way forward,
0: isn't it? Be, uh, make sure that the truth gets out there, but it's how you say it. It's yeah. very important. And so I almost feel like this next question needs a bit of a drum roll, given the preamble before the podcast, but is there a leader, past or present, famous or otherwise, that you could put your finger on that
1: you would say that you admire, and if so, why? So so this is where I go on to there. Um, uh, a little bit from a lot of people, which was your (laughs) quote, I think. And I was like, oh, yeah. And and like I said, I've learned most from those people who probably haven't been great leaders um, because it makes you think about behaviours. So in terms of famous people, I think that the person that I um, admire most in many ways is someone like Gandhi. Um, And I'm sure that many, many people would say that, but it's something about um, the, the strength of will, um and the commitment to purpose um and the way in which actually his work has um in a very quiet way um Mm -hmm. he changed the world and i'm like so those are the styles i don't want to be confrontational
0: yeah
1: you know i i I can be and probably in in my um early years was probably much more confrontational than than i should have been Um, and i think i admire that quiet power um, mm-hmm. that, that, that is a leadership style. It doesn't mean that you don't say anything, but it means, it means that you've listened and that you are reflecting and being able, like you say, to articulately and eloquently um, put truths together. So mm-hmm. just dealing with some of the inequality that we see right now mm-hmm. um, around people's, so for me, with people's health, is just, you know, and I look at some people and, and think, you know, you're, you're we deal with um, people with addiction um, issues um, and children who many people would pass by. And I just, the sense of judgment from others that they think they're better really, really worries me. And that's what I, I suppose I admire most about people like Gandhi is that actually he knew, like I know that we are all equal Mm -hmm. We have unequal chances and opportunities. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. The quiet power, I think, is a great phrase to to, to describe an individual like that. Fantastic. Thank you. Very well answered as well.
1: (laughs) I'm sure not, but there we go. (laughs)
0: And on the vein of sort of... um, people that you admire and things that have influenced you i'm always really keen to understand what ceos are reading or consuming so be it a podcast or whether it's a book that has either influenced you or you're reading at the moment and would recommend does anything stand out there for you
1: Oh wow! so um i'm an avid reader and have quite an eclectic taste so in terms of um if you haven't read michael marmot's the health gap um just um you know such a commentary on our inequalities in our society and how they are Um, widening. Um, I'm a bit of Michael Marmot groupie. um, So uh, my advice would be to follow him because um, he's erudite and uh, amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I also um, have been reading recently, we do a lot with um, trauma um, and young people who have very chaotic lives and um, at risk of criminality. Um, And Oprah Winfrey's What Happened to You? Um, is just an amazing, um, been listening to it on Audible Books, Mm -hmm. Um, just an amazing um, commentary. It's with a psychologist um, looking at, you know, research around trauma um, and why we do the things that we we do and often, you know, don't know why we do them in the way that we do them. Um, And that's uh, really interesting. But, um, you know, I like fiction as well. So. Well, what so, do you read there? Because that's the that's the hardest
0: thing for me. I'm just getting to the end of an MBA. I've been reading obviously oh, wow. books that you have to read on on the reading list. I'm always reading for business, but it's hard to find a novel or something that's non that,
1: that's fiction. So yeah, it depends what you like. But um, mm-hmm. recently, I read The Midnight Library um, by Matt Haig. Um, oh, it was great. Loved it. It was just it was a really easy read. Um, but you know, it was it once you just got through it. It was a really lovely story. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And um but I also liked some fantasy. So The Grace Keepers um by Kirsty Logan is um kind of something that I quite liked as well. And um I don't know, I I you know the Underground Railway um mm-hmm. by ooh, someone Whitehead. Um, Colston Whitehead um, is fantastic so it just depends what you like doesn't it but I'll manage a crime thriller I'll manage a, you know I'll manage most things um, as I go
0: It's good to have that richness isn't it and that diversity in what you're reading because I think you can take something from like the leadership you can take something from everything that you read there's little lessons and everything so that's why I like to ask the
1: question <laughs> Yeah I'm a book bore, I'm afraid because I, I go to Hay Literary Festival because it's just awful it. so um, i yeah, I just love books. I just, it's, it's my idea of heaven to be in, in a bookshop curled up on a seat with a with a coffee. Yeah,
0: I, I, I'm with you, but I've got a little glass of red wine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I will probably be there. But I probably would have run quite a long way to get to the bookshop, I should say, shouldn't I? Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Before I curl up. Absolutely. Um,
0: Absolutely. And, and So can you tell us a little bit about Sasp and what's going on over the next six, nine, 12 months? What are you
1: excited about? What's going to be happening this year? Um, well, we're just, um, so one of the things that um, that I really um, love doing is starting to um, unpick inequality and, and start to give people much better opportunities mm-hmm. to lead healthier and happier lives. So we're doing a lot with social prescribing at the moment. Um looking at working with um, primary care, so your GP surgeries and practices around um, one-to-ones. So for people who perhaps got low confidence or or, uh, low mood, um, actually being able to really make a difference one-to-one with people uh, around their health. Um, And and though we are a physical activity charity, um, the reality is that you know, alongside that goes all the things around sleep and nutrition and Mm -hmm. friendships and all the other things that we try and build through that. So so there's one piece that's um, really exciting as as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, our other bit that we're building is um, we're also a connecting organisation. So we work with lots and lots of partners in the community, smaller organisations in the community to to, um, help them, be more ready for some of our less confident or, or some of our more specialist demographics or groups so people with long-term health conditions or those who have weight management issues um, and um, so we're doing a lot with what we would call workforce development okay. um, it's a very exciting time for us because we're growing quite a lot um yeah. our demand for services is huge. And one great. of our biggest challenges is recruitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that we see that across the across the board, to be honest, mm-hmm. Amy. Um, yeah. But particularly in VCSE, where perhaps um, wages are not quite as robust as perhaps in somewhere like the NHS mm-hmm. um, or statutory authorities. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, it's a really exciting time to be in the VCSE sector at yeah. the moment, yeah. but particularly in
0: physical activity. Mm, but I think that's where your your purpose being so purpose led is absolutely paramount. If you're saying that the the salaries in the NHS are slightly different, if you can find those people, can repel the people that are just looking for the money, and attract those people that want to make the same kind of difference that the organisation is impacting, I think that's that's the way forward. It has to be.
1: <laughs> Let's fingers crossed. That yes.
0: <laughs> but Jane, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you for for making the time for the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing a bit about your story and understanding the business
1: better. That's been really lovely. Thank you very much for your time.